Welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open your Bibles again to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, if you don't have a traditional Bible and you'd like one and you feel comfortable raising your hand, do that and one of my friends will bring you one. You can also take your smart device you can open the YouVersion app, or it's also called the Bible app. All the notes and scriptures have already been uploaded in there. Of course, we'll also put the scriptures on the screen behind me, trying to make it as easy as possible for you. If you're watching us online or at one of our other gatherings, love you guys. I'm so glad that you are a part of uh, our family. Wasn't uh, If you were here last week, how great was Pastor Dallas' texting story? It, it was like I was uh, watching it with my headphones on. I was in a coffee shop. And I had my headphones on and I literally kept laughing out loud. And I, I was like talking to his story. I was like, no, don't say I love you like a sister. Oh, my gosh, that's you're such a creeper. Like it was so it was the greatest. It was so hilarious. I was like, I start laughing out loud and people were looking at me like I was crazy. It was a great story. Such a great message. Probably my favorite message that I've ever heard him speak, this idea of I'm too far gone. Such a great idea. So many of us believe that. But I kind of want to talk about the opposite today. In fact, uh, just a little fair warning. Uh, I'm going to get all up in your Kool-Aid today. I'm going to get in your face a little bit. Some of you are going to think, oh, he's an angry elf. Like, I hope he, I hope he lets Pastor Dallas speak again next week because it'll be like we're a good cop, bad cop. Like, he's the nice guy who brings in a cup of coffee and says, so sorry for the inconvenience. And I got a light on your head like, where were you at 2 o'clock in the morning? What were you looking at on your computer? And you're going to go, oh, my gosh, I wish he'd let Pastor Dallas speak next week. But I'm not. You got me again next week. It's just, uh, it's to be a little bit... Uh, it's a little bit in your face because I really felt like as I prayed about the ending of Matthew chapter 14, which, by the way, we didn't have any intention of making this a series about Matthew 14. It just became that like it was as I began to digest parts of Matthew 14, it, it just it just began to really kind of evolve. And, uh, and then we talked about it in our staff meeting, and we just talked about all of these different thoughts and ideas that even just came from this one. I, felt, I have felt like this chapter has been reading me as much as I've been reading it. And so as I came to the last verse of this, I really felt like the Holy Spirit put something in my spirit, in my mind, in my heart, in my gut about not just uh, me, but about uh, some of you. Uh, do you ever feel like everybody's watching you? They're judging you, critiquing you. <laughs> Social media is really good for that, isn't it? Come to, come to think about it. Uh, as I've been praying about what it is, uh, we start every year with a 21-day fast. And, and normally I, I've, I'll either do like a, a liquid only or I'll do, you know, what's called a Daniel fast, which you only eat what's grown from the ground. But I, I really feel like, uh, come to think of it, I'm, I'm going to fast social media for the beginning of the year. Uh, I'm not going to look at it for the first 
21 days. I'm not going to scroll it. I'm not going to read messages or like anybody's stuff. And it's not because I'm obsessed with it or even because I'm distracted by it, but because social media can make us think we're more important than we are. It's, it's why when, when some of us do go off of it, we feel like we need to make some sort of grandiose announcement. Like, uh, like hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Let it be known that I, Sean Hennessy, at Sean Hennessy, hashtag Sean Hennessy, will be taking a break from social media for the next 21 days. It's like, and we do it um, as close to the last hour of 2022 as possible, and we sit and we watch it, and we hope that people will like it. We hope that people will heart it. We hope that people will share it. We hope that people will be moved by it. We hope that people will comment on it like, no, please, anything but social, please fast, anything other than social. We can't live the next 21 days not knowing what you ate for dinner or uh, not having you share a funny cat video. But uh, can I level with you? Less people are looking at your social media than you think. Aren't you glad you came to church today? That says I just came to encourage you. But I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about me. We we took a couple of uh, photos here so that we could give you proof. Like this is the front page of my my Instagram. It, it, it says 21,000 followers, but in the last week that's fallen a few hundred people because we posted a couple of things that uh, people. They just didn't really like it. And so it's, it's gradually declining as we, actually as we speak. There's less this service, actually, than there, than there was last service. And it's, I go like, 20,000? Like, ooh. My kids think it's cool. I don't even, I don't know anything about it. It's half the time I don't even know the login to my social. But uh, the reason that I put this up here is because I want to show you the next picture. This is one of my latest posts. This is, this is how few people reacted to what it was that I posted. And it was something that was significant to me. And, and I know for some of you, you go, oh my gosh, I'd love to have 1,430 hearts or whatever they call them. Uh, we were just talking to my kids the other day. They were making fun of me. They're like, bro, you're so old. Like, you don't even know what to call stuff. Like, you're like so weird. How do you not know if it's a like or a post? I call it hearts. I'm like, guys, I got 1,430 hearts. People must really love me. And I just go, but percentage-wise, that's such a small percentage of reaction. My point is that social media can make us think we're more important than we are. But in reality, people aren't sitting around thinking about my Instagram or yours all day. But far too many of us think that people are looking at everything we do, listening to everything we say, celebrating, critiquing, or criticizing every move, discussing every decision that we make. And I think too many of us think, quite honestly, that the world actually revolves around us. I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about that message that we send ourselves that says, I'm the center of the universe. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, thank you that you being the center of the universe, you are unmoving. You are unchanging. You are unrelenting. That God, as we position ourselves closer to you, God, you expand your reach. You expand your impact on our lives. God, thank you that You love us. You care for us. You instill joy and peace and 
gratitude. And, and, and that God, today, that as we draw closer to you, uh, we would become less like us and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you, you ever get around somebody who's critical? Uh, they're a complainer. Uh, the wait's always too long. The line's always too slow. The server didn't treat them the way that they felt like they should have been treated. They make snarky comments. when this, not, not when the server's there, but when the server walks away, they say things like, well, they're not going to get 20% from me, I'll tell you that. They're not even going to get a tip, I'll tell you that right now. They didn't treat me the way that I deserve to be treated. The kitchen didn't prepare their food properly, and so when the server comes, they're almost dismissive, like the server brought them a plate full of cooties. Like they're like, Ooh, excuse me. I asked for no tomatoes. It's, can you please take this to the back and have them make it right? And the minute that the person takes it away, they talk smack about the, like the person, the person who all, all they did was bring it to your table. And they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. How hard is it for people to just do their job? You ever get around people who are critical? It's annoying, isn't it? It's exhausting, honestly. And generally speaking, critical people are self-centered people. They think they deserve better. They think that life owes them more. I, I was in Philly for the game this past week, but I had to fly uh, separate from the team because I had a prior engagement this past week in Arizona, and so I had to leave right from Philadelphia to go to Arizona. And so I got to the airport. I got all checked in. I got through security. I got to the gate. And when I got to the gate, it showed that my flight was delayed. And so the bad news was my connection was going to be really tight. But the good news was it gave me time for one more cheesesteak. Hello, silver lining. You got to find them. Uh, but, th but then uh, my flight got delayed again. And I was definitely going to miss my connection. And so, so they rerouted me through another connecting city. But then my flight was delayed until the next morning. Uh, because of the delay, the pilots who were supposed to fly our plane, they were over hours and they couldn't fly. And it was too late for the airline to, to find another pilot. And so they had to defer us to a flight the next morning. And, and they did the best they could. They they gave us food vouchers. They gave us hotel voucher. They let us stay at a hotel right down the road for free. They, they gave us ride vouchers that we could use on Lyft or on Uber to get ourselves to the hotel and then back in the morning. I mean, they did the best. It was inconvenient. They did the best uh, that they could. But you should have seen the people from my flight lining up to talk to the gate agent. <laughs> I call it the Karen March. Have you guys, have you guys seen this? It's, uh, you've never seen more arms swinging. You, you ever see people like that? You know, you, hell hath no fury than a mad Karen. Hell hath no, than a woman with a homemade tote bag and a pair of sensible shoes who's been told that she's not going to get what she wants. And the people lined up. I was like, bro, like, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, and I could have just left, but I didn't because I was like, Something awesome is about to happen right now. And the way that some of the people spoke to that gate agent, quite honestly, was embarrassing. I mean, they're like, uh, 
They all wanted to tell her what was wrong with Delta. Let me tell you what's wrong, ma'am, with Delta Airlines. They, they all wanted to comment on how much money pilots make. Ma'am, do you know how much a commercial pilot earns? He couldn't work another 42 minutes to get me. I bought this ticket to fly on Sunday. If I wanted to fly on Monday, I'm like, why are you pronounced? Oh, such, there's never been such a hard M in Monday. If I wanted to fly on Monday, I would have booked my flight or Monday. There can't, there's no pilots anywhere in this. They all wanted to read their travel resume. Do you know how many miles I fly? I'm a platinum on this airline. I, I am on a Delta flight every week, ma'am. I could have been on the shuttle is all I'm saying. But I was just watching this unfold, sitting there thinking, bruh, do you think this 21-year-old 21 21 girl who's working at the gate owns Delta? Do you think that she woke up this morning, called her friends, and said, watch this. <laughs> I'm going to cancel a flight. So 312 people will get in line to tell me how ugly I am. Like, uh, uh, this, this one guy got up there. I could tell he flies a lot because he was dressed up. He had on slacks and his shoes were polished. Listen, when I get on a plane, uh, I'm, I'm as Walmarted out as I can get, is all I'm telling you. Like, I look homeless when I sometimes, I don't wear pajama pants because that's a little too far for me, but I definitely wear 2X sweatpants on there because I'm not trying to impress nobody. I'm, I'm, I'm on there to kick it, is what I'm saying. But this dude had slacks that were, it looks like he'd never sat down before, and uh, shiny shoes, he had a starched, button-down collared shirt and a Harris tweed jacket. I said, this joker is about to turn this kid out. <laughs> His face was, I was like, bro, breathe. Get a hug. Like they gave you, a, you could get a free Philly. They're seven bucks, bro. You got, for your inconvenience. Seven dollars with the free cheesesteak is what I'm saying is what you got out of this. You should be telling her thank you, not do you any his head it was like I felt like he was a Carlos Sombrero bobblehead dog. Let me tell you something about and I I was like, do you think that you were gonna walk up there after forty two other people and she was gonna go, Oh <laughs> Mr. Johnson? Why, why didn't you say, I didn't know that you were in the gate area had you just told me, but just uh, let me get another plane up here, stat. Everybody just waited in line just to be mad. I thought you could be mad at the hotel watching Sports Center. There was nothing that poor little girl did to cause the flight to be delayed or any more that she could have done to correct it. But the way that those people talked to her was ridiculous. And as ridiculous as those people sounded talking to that gate agent is how ridiculous some of us sound talking to God. The minute something goes wrong or the minute something doesn't go our way, we're like, God, I've given my life for you. 
Bro, I stopped drinking for you. Man, I broke up with my boyfriend for you. But just as much as that gate agent didn't cause my flight to be delayed, God didn't cause the struggles that you're going through in your life. But we complain because somewhere inside of us, we think that we're the center of the universe, that the world revolves around us. That's why some of you don't serve. That's why some of you are just consumer Christians. You think, well, that's, that's what these people get paid for. Uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine this past weekend, and this person is like super talented. Like, I wish that I was near as gifted as this person. And I was talking to them about the idea of going into the ministry. And uh, this friend of mine said to me, but I feel like I'd be wasting my talents if I just used them in a local church setting. And I said, yeah, but where do you think you got those talents? And, and why do you think that he gave you them? What if you took those talents and you gave them to God just to see what he could do with them? See, see this person doesn't want to serve because they think that the world, that they're the center of the universe. It, it, it's, why, it's why some of you don't give. You say, well, nobody ever gave me anything. I, I worked for everything I've got. You're, you're like Bill Gates withholding his wealth from his kids. Or you're like Shaq. Shaq, who during an interview said, I don't know why my kids act like they're rich. They're, that's my money. I made that money. And some of you, when God asks you just, just for a, a, like a sliver of it, he doesn't ask for all of it. He just asks for like a, like a sliver of your money. You kind of get this attitude like, I made this on my own. But can I propose to you that you didn't earn it on your own? Every talent that you have to do what it is that you've done to earn the money that you've earned was given to you by him. He gave it all to you. He just asks for a little back. See, some of you don't give because to you, you know, your money, it's, it's, it's mine. I, I'm going to keep this because I'm going to I'm going to need this. It's why some of you make bad decisions, uh, bad choices, why some of you live in immoral or sinful lifestyles, because you're not thinking of the consequences or the effects that they're going to have on others. You're not thinking about what the impact your infidelity is going to have on your spouse or your kids or your friends. You're not thinking about that while you're having these inappropriate conversations back and forth over social, where you're on a messenger board and you're sending things back and forth with somebody that you hadn't seen since high school. And you remember what they used to look like and they remember what you used to look like. And so now you're living in this age old fantasy and you're deleting it every opportunity that you get thinking that nobody will find out, but everyone will eventually find out because the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. You don't think about what the consequences will be to your spouse, how heartbroken your spouse would be, how heartbroken your kids would be to find out that you stepped out on your husband or that you stepped out on your wife. You, you don't think about how much the people close to you are going to be impacted by your addictions because you only think about how you feel or what you want. Somewhere at our core, we think life is all about us that the world revolves around us. It's, it's the American way. It's the American bootstrap mentality, and it's perpetuated and celebrated in shows like Yellowstone or Succession, where people say, I built this ranch or I built this company, and you're going to have to pry it from my cold, dead hands. 
And I think about that when I read the book of Job. I love the book of Job, which incidentally is the oldest book uh, in the scriptures. I, I love the book of Job because it shows two things. Number one, that God is patient. And number two, that God don't play. Because at some point, and we're about to get to it, at some point, God, if he wore earrings, <laughs> took his ear, took his shoes off, and said, uh-uh, hold up, hold on a minute, hold it. You've been complaining for how many, how many chapters? Job complained, 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 the people complained, he complained to the people around him, he complained to God, why God? And after all Job's complaining, God said this. He said, who is it that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Man, just that scripture right there. What, how many of us are obscuring God's plans with words without knowledge? He says, brace yourself like a man. I'll question you, and now you're going to answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimension? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come, but no farther. Here is where your proud waves will halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place and that it might take the earth by the edge and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arms are broken. God said, have you journeyed to the springs of the sea and walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses? of the earth. Tell me, tell me if you know all this. And I, I love this because this is like how I'd be if I was God. I'd have been talking that way the whole time. You'd, Job would have said one thing and I would have clipped like right zero to that, right? It took him half, half the book. But finally, God was doing some realignment in Job's life where God was put in his rightful place and Job was put in his because Job felt like he deserved better, like life owed him more. And the disciples were the same way. They felt like they were the center of the universe until they were hit with a disaster and found themselves at a point where they couldn't do it on their own. I mean, if you read through the story of the disciples, it, it seems like the longer the disciples walked with Jesus, the more they felt like they should have been. Like they, like they started out as a group of lowly fishermen, a disloyal tax collector, a dishonest accountant, and a divisive politician. They, they were guys who hadn't been chosen to be disciples by their local rabbi. And so in the beginning, they were humbled by their selection. But as time went by, they began to view themselves as worthy and deserving. And I see this with people on, on social. I see this with people who they're, they're new believers, like they've, they've been delivered from this lifestyle that was terrible and was horrendous. And it's exciting. And they're so over the top and they're sharing and they're posting and they've got the coffee and the devotional and it's in front of a window and they got the perfect angle on Instagram. It looks super holy. The site's like 4 a.m. And you go, oh my 
my God, are they wake up? Is that what happens when you first get saved? You just wake up early and spend time with Jesus? Because I don't wake up until eight. Like, oh God, man, maybe I need to get more saved so I can wake up. And in the beginning, they're like really encouraging. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And you're encouraged. And then three weeks later, they're like, you're a bunch of sinners, you terrible. And you're like, what? happened? Where all of a sudden did they go from this to all of a sudden they're like so, and you've seen people like this. They've gone so judgmental. They've gone so justification. They're so works oriented. And I look at that and I go, it's so easy for that to happen to us to in the beginning, have this joy restore unto us that David said the joy of our salvation. And I think the disciples started out, they were just so happy. They were just happy to be on the team. Pretty soon they're jostling for power and position to the point that James and John's mother approaches Jesus and asks him to seat, seat her sons, one on the right and one on the left when he became king. And biblically, the right side represents the position of power and the left side represents the position of honor. And so his, the mother was literally asking for her sons to be given positions of power and honor. Just not long before that, they were just happy to be on the team. And now they want a position of power and a position of honor. And what's interesting is almost all theologians would suggest that this, this request was delivered by their mother, but it was devised by the sons. They came up with it and they put her up to it because they felt like they deserved better, like life owed them. And we do the same thing. So, so I want to make a proposition to you today. I believe sometimes God allows storms in our lives so we'll see him for who he really is and ourselves for who we really are. He allowed it with Job. He allowed it with the disciples. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes, he doesn't cause it, but sometimes He's going to allow it with you. So here's a question. What are you going to see in the storm? And what are you going to be in the storm? What are you going to see in the storm? And what are you going to be in the storm? Are you going to be critical or are you going to be teachable? Are you, are you going to see oppression or are you going to see opportunity? If we could see a storm for what it really is, then, then, we can view them as an opportunity for realignment in our lives, where we put God in his rightful place and ourselves in ours. Isn't it interesting how we seldom make changes when we're in a good spot, but we almost always make changes when we're in a difficult spot. And so when Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind, it died down. The men who were in the boat, they worshiped. They worshiped Jesus and they said, you really are the son of God. You really are the son of God. After seeing him perform miracles, after seeing him heal the sick, after seeing him raise the dead, after just seeing him impossibly feed the multitudes to this point, they'd only come to acknowledge that his power comes from God and that he was the prophet that their forefathers had prophesied would come into the world. But up until this point, it wasn't until right now, it wasn't until he had done something for them that they recognized he was the son of God. And sometimes we don't recognize God for who he is until he has to intervene and do something significant for us. And they wouldn't have been in a position for him to have to do that had they not been in the storm. And sometimes you would not be in the position for God to have to intervene on your behalf until you were in a place where he needed to intervene. 
And so again, sometimes God allows storms in our lives. So we'll see him for who he really is and ourselves for who we really are. And so I want to just take the next like five minutes and I want to leave you with the answer to an important question. Here's the question. How do we put God in his proper place in our lives? How? How do we do that? How do we put God in his proper place in our lives? So number one is that you turn your eyes, turn your eyes. Peter took his eyes off his struggles and he put them uh, on his savior. What, what is it that you're focusing on? I got, I got a couple props today. I don't normally use props because they don't normally work for me, but I, I just got new glasses. I actually got two pairs of glasses. These, these are real glasses. This, I'm supposed to be wearing them all the time. The, the other glasses that I have, I didn't even bring them here because my teenagers picked them out. And uh, I went through all of the different options over FaceTime with my kids and they just kept going, uh, uh, bro, why, dumb, ugly. You look like a nerd. Bro, how old are you? I was like, bro, like, am I trying to get some self-esteem here? Am I trying to pick out glasses? And so finally they picked out these glasses, not these ones. I picked these ones out. The ones that they picked out, I don't bring them out in public. Uh, cause they, I, they, I look like I either work at a factory or I'm Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm just saying it's, they're the same glasses. That, that he wore, which I don't want to get off on this rabbit trail, but the fact that that show was number one in America just grossed me out. But he, like, I definitely looked, which I didn't need any help because there's another show on Netflix where the front page, it's about something about killing, and the guy on the front page looks like me. Exactly. He's my doppelganger. Like, he's exactly like me to the point where I had a friend that texted me a picture and said, bro, I didn't even know that you were a killer. And I was like, bro, he even has this weird, unfortunate stripe in the front of his beard. And so I was like, I don't need to look like that guy. And I don't need to look like Jeffrey Dahmer. So, uh, I, these are my, are my glasses that I picked out cause they're normal. If I put tape in between them, I'd look like Marty McFly, but I don't, I don't wear them. Uh, because I have a hard time seeing, <laughs> which is counterproductive. I have a hard time seeing when I wear them. I, I, I feel like I see worse when I have them on. It's like a tunnel has happened and, and you have just gotten 50% smaller than you were before. You're super clear. But when I don't have my glasses on, you look like much bigger people is all I'm saying. But then, then I, and it's scary to me uh, when I drive. So like I take them off and although you're fuzzy, you're blurry, to be clear, you're fuzzy, but uh, you're big. And so when I put my glasses on, it feels like I'm looking through a tunnel. And so uh, I was confused by it. And so I did what all red-blooded Americans do. I Googled it. I Googled, why don't my glasses work? And Google said to me, do you mean, does Google ever do that to you? Treat you like you're dumb. Do you mean? And then I texted, I actually put in the search bar, no, dot, dot, dot. I mean, dot, dot, dot. Why don't my glasses work? And so it brought up an article that said it takes time for your brain to catch up. And, and when you start focusing on Jesus, the enemy will tell you that things look worse, but there's actually a time lag. There, there is a, a time where you have to catch up, where things have to come into proper focus, but you have to be disciplined to stay on the course because whatever it is you focus on gets bigger. So if you want to put 
you're focused on God and you want God to be in the proper place in your life, you've got to turn your eyes. Second is you've got to tune your ears. He, he tuned out the sound of the wind, the sound of the waves, and the sound of the wails of the other disciples, and he turned them to Jesus. Now, uh, I fly a lot, which is a blessing and a curse. Like, for example, I was in Philadelphia, as I said, and then I went from Philadelphia to do a thing in uh, Arizona, and then I went from Arizona to, I spoke Friday night in Toronto, and then I spoke last night in Chicago, and then I'm, I'm here uh, right now. And so I fly a lot, and one of the greatest investments that I've ever made is in noise-canceling headphones. Because, man, when you get on the plane, all you hear is... What if I did this for four hours? Would it get annoying? And so they bring you headphones. This is them. This is what they bring you. These are the exact headphones that they bring you, incidentally. These are free. Uh, and they come around and they say, would you like some complimentary headphones? So uh, normally I say no, because 94% uh, of the time, only one of them works. <laughs> uh, the other 6% of the time, they don't fit in my ears. They just fall out. And just, you know, so you put, you put the headphones in and uh, you put them in the little jack uh, for the TV thing. And when you plug it into the jack, do you know what you hear? <laughs> Or, or you hear a baby who's next to you. I had a baby from Arizona to Toronto who cried the whole... She cried getting on the plane, cried on the plane, cried getting off the plane. It's probably because she was sitting next to me and she saw me on Netflix and she felt like I was going to kill her mother. And then I had my glasses on. I'm kidding. She was like, it's Jeffrey Dumb. And so uh, the greatest investment that I made was in noise I can't even hear myself. It's such, it's so, it's so, it's so, I can't even describe to you the difference between the complimentary headphones and the one you got to invest in. And so my question to you is, what are you listening to and what are you listening with? If, if you want to put God in his proper place in your life, you've got to tune your ears. Finally, is you've got to take a step. Uh, when Peter heard the voice of God, he did two things. He braced himself and he launched himself. Now, I have a very overactive imagination. To me, I, I'm a, a very pictorial listener. And so I picture Jesus said, come on. <laughs> and so when Jesus said, come on, Peter didn't hesitate, man. He like, he like wound himself back like he was on a spring. And uh, he got into the water like I get into the water. I get into the water. I don't, I don't toe tip into, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't, uh, I don't put my, eh, it's so cold. Because if I put my toe in, I'm not putting a resume in. It's, oh, uh, it's cold and it's gross. And other people have been in it and their skin is just so gross. Oh, there's hair in there. Yuck, I hate hair except right here. It's so disgusting. And I don't, oh, don't want to get my face wet because I got dry skin. I don't want to get my beard wet because when I get my beard wet and I don't blow dry it, then it shrinks up and I look like Bob Ross is taking a nap on my chin. It's just terrible. And so I'm like, oh God, I don't want to get in the water. So if I got to get in the water, I do the, 
Not the cannonball, because it makes me feel fat. But I do, the, I do the one leg, whatever that's, I call it the pike. I'm not sure what you call it, what the technical word for it is. But when I get in a swimming pool, bro, I lean back and I get in here because I feel like that is the maximum splash capacity. Because if I'm getting wet, I want you getting wet. That's all I'm saying. If I got to be cold, I want you to, you just got me wet. And I pictured that was Peter. That he, he wasn't like, he wasn't like, he wasn't like toe tipping in there. Like Jesus said, come on. And he, he like braced himself and he launched himself. But then we know that he didn't swim. And so in my mind, this is just the story. I'm not telling you this is what happened. I'm just telling you it's logical that he did the pike thing. And because he was going to walk on water, Jesus like didn't want him to go in. And so I picture it's like a trampoline. And he came, boom, and he just stood up. And it was like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my you. I'm standing on the water. This is insane. And all of a sudden, he, he, he didn't hesitate. And some of us, God called us and we're like, "Eh, I don't want to hand out things at the door. I don't don't want to high five because, oh, I got to get my Purell. But I got to put the Purell that makes my hands ashy. And I don't, I don't want to hold babies because they, they, that's everything makes that sound, by the way, to me. You got the, 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 it's everything is that sound. And so we don't, I don't want to. Hold, I don't want to make coffee because then I got to talk to people or be around people. But you know that God has called you to take a step. Where has he called you to take a step to serve, to give, to lead, to love, to forgive, to feel again, to hope again? You know, the world may not revolve around you, but the one who created it, the one who actually did lay its foundation, the one who did mark off its dimensions, who who did shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from its womb, he does revolve around you. He is with you always, even to the end of the age. He promised that he'll never leave you, that he'll never forsake you. He has promised that he has predestined you to be more than a conqueror. If you'll just put him in his right place, he'll put you in yours. If you will just humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, the book promises that he will lift you up. Do you need to be lifted up today? Humble yourself. Will you do that? Will you close your eyes all across this place? You know, the idea of salvation is the picture of humility. It is admitting that we are incapable. We are are incapable of fixing ourselves. We've tried. We've tried everything. We've tried self-help. We've tried every book. We've tried 14 steps or 12 steps. And it's, it's temporary. But in the end, only he can change you. I wonder if you're here today and you say, Sean, I've been struggling with this idea of change. I know that I need to change. I know that I need to transition from where I am to where he wants me to be. But you fought it. That's what salvation is. Salvation is admitting that you haven't gone all in. Admitting that you can't do this thing on your own. So this morning, we're going to give you the opportunity to fix that. The Bible says to fix that, you have to do two things. You have to confess that you have sin in your life, and then you have to profess that he can get rid of it. And so by that, we declare him our Lord, which means our ruler. He's in charge. And we declare him our Savior, which means that he and only he can rescue you. So if you're here today and you say, I've I've got stuff 
that I haven't been able to fix and I need it fixed and I need to give control of my life over to him. In just a moment, we're gonna give you opportunity to do that. Here's how. We're gonna ask you in just a moment with nobody looking around to do two things, to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact, you can put your hand down. That's your act of confession. Secondly, I'm gonna say a few lines in a prayer. I'm gonna pause. And if you repeat what I said after I said it and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So if you're here today and you say, Sean, uh, I'm not right with God. I need to change that before I leave this place with nobody looking around. Would you raise your hand and make God contact me right now? Thanks, 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 thank you. Thanks, 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 thank you. Anybody else? Okay, I'm gonna ask everybody in here to say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life, but I don't want it. Take it, change it, forgive it, be my Lord, be my savior in Jesus name. Amen. Secondly, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if you're in here and you say, Sean, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus guy. I'm a Jesus girl. But if you're being totally honest, you have not been putting God in his rightful place. He is not the center of your life. He is not the filter that you run everything through. If that's you, you need to change that today. If you'd say, Sean, I haven't been putting God in his rightful place, but I'd like to, I would just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you right now. God. Jesus, for my friends right now, thank you for their uh, vulnerability and their honesty. I pray peace over them. God, I pray today that you would change our hearts and change our minds in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew on That. The Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.